Welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is our podcast covering 25 of our favourite movies from any given decade. This is our fourth and potentially final volume where we are covering movies of the 1980s. This is our episode in which we are covering possibly the most ubiquitous movie that we've ever covered. Ghostbusters. Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. And that voice you just heard is my intrepid co-host as we trek through these decades, Matthew Waters. How are you, Matt, this fine, still so fucking hot Saturday morning? Yeah, I was because th- I've just started editing Raiders, and we're talking about how incredibly hot it is, the heat wave, and I was like, oh, we're really going to date the podcast. But no, it, heat wave two has arrived <laughs> just in time for it to still be timely. Yeah, I mean, very warm. Shaved my head. Couldn't deal with it anymore. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I I guess Ghostbusters is. I mean, it's such a such a piece of like pop culture ephemera. Like, I mean, but that's the thing is like this movie is kind of insane when you put any level of critical thought into it. It is a movie <laughs> with three sequels. Yes. Uh, <laughs> two sequels and a reboot. <laughs> Okay, sure, but like I mean, I, I, I look, Lady Ghostbusters <laughs> is fine. Like, it's not great. It's we, not we will, the we will worst get to, thing we in will, the whole world. We will get to my hot take on Lady Ghostbusters in a bit. Right. <laughs> or something ironical when I say Lady Ghostbusters and the word ironical, just to be clear. Or we can call it Ghostbusters Answer the Call. As, as it <laughs> that does. is not what it is called, and I have seen that written down three times in the last twenty-four hours. I'm like, that is not what that movie is called. <laughs> I don't care what you say. It was just called Ghostbusters when it came out. I saw it. It was. It was called Ghostbusters 2016 or whatever. Like, yeah. but answer the call has been retrofitted onto it for whatever reason. Um, but Pennyworth, like... the the origin of Batman's butler. <laughs> Smallville ran for a decade and it didn't have the word Superman in the title. I'm pretty sure people I can think figure it that should, shit out. I think it should have had like the Smallville, the origin Ken. of the guy that is Superman. <laughs> So yeah, Ghostbusters. I mean, like it's got three or two sequels and a reboot. If we want to be pedantic about this, sure. is two cartoon series, a mm-hmm. video game sequel, a long-running comic book. There's a surely there was like a tie-in, at least one tie-in video game, like on the NES or the. Oh Spence yeah, there's. I mean, it's well known. Well. I, I think like every video game nerd like trashed that thing back when it came out. There were yeah. loads of video games at the time because the '80s were rife with people yeah. making fucking shitty sequels about it. But I'm more talking about like yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 One game that, that came has a out. Story in a canon and like actually adds to the yeah. Was that all right? I hear <laughs> that was okay. Yeah, it apparently was good. Okay, cool. Um, and then and then obviously there's this new video game, isn't there? Uh, yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. So but like, can we return to something that you dropped on me at the end of last week? That <laughs> these are Dan Aykroyd's opinions about how the afterlife works. Yes. He he. <laughs> so so Dan Aykroyd writes a script because yes. he's really into the paranormal. Right. Like he writes this script and Makes basically sense. is like, I really want to make this movie, and Ivan Reitman is just like, Dan, whatever, man. <laughs> Dan, I love you. I can't make this movie. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah, he's not Um, (laughs) I'm gonna go talk to my friend Harold Ramis to like massage this into like an actual like feasible movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's what happens. Yeah. And then Dan Aykroyd spends the next thirty years basically trying to make Ghostbusters into like his forever franchise. Yeah, he like he like proper. I don't want to say gatekeeps the canon of it, but like he's he's. He's very precious about it. Like, I the believe... way where Bill Murray is just casually like, eh, it could be funnier. 
Yeah, I believe <laughs> the third movie script, the one that made it the furthest along, is like a story about the Ghostbusters going to hell oh, okay. to try and like rescue one of them. Um, Did he have any creative input on the cartoon? Do we know? I've got no idea. Honestly, no <laughs> idea. But like Ghostbusters is like his thing. Like and yeah. and right, so I mean, so let's let's get into this now, Matthew. Yeah. yeah. How did you first find out oh about God. Ghostbusters? I, I don't fucking was know. it was it the cartoon series? Was no. it the song? Was it like you came into this like seeing Slimer and were like, boy, I'm gonna go watch a movie where they hang out with this cool guy Slimer? It, and is, then... it is very funny that Slimer became the the mascot of the franchise when you when you watch this first movie and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's a memorable ghost amongst many, but like, <laughs> there's no indication he's the their fun pet ghost, <laughs> like. I don't know. I guess the song was still a big deal, like, however many years Like, I mean, this is 83, I'm born 89. Yeah, I guess it was still a big deal a decade later. And I was like, what's well, Ghost, I, you know, on television a lot. I, I don't know. Um, it, I just always remember who you're going to call Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a number one smash hit. I feel like probably, like, the only piece of movie music that kind of, or one of the only ones that can kind of get to that level. Like, yes, there are, like, theme songs that can get to this level of like cultural ubiquity like star wars indiana jones um the batman theme the superman theme are like things that are instantly recognizable and people can go that is that character this is just a hit fucking song that hit number one in the charts yeah bigger than bat dance for sure um (laughs) can i just say that this this song contains the lyrics i hear it likes the girls and (laughs) bustin makes me feel good yeah and your complaint. That's why it rolls. That's why it rolls. <laughs> um, no, yeah, fine. Fine for but that to be an it is insane. <laughs> it's insane to me that anyone watches this movie that comes out in 1984 and one, it becomes their cultural identity. Mm-hmm. And two, it becomes a franchise in which literally any time any one of the four main actors in this movie does a new project, someone will ask them, are we getting a new Ghostbusters movie? It is, it is one of those movies where if you follow enough men online of a certain age, <laughs> let's say podcasters, for instance, there will be one in the group who is hardcore into Ghostbusters <laughs> and will go and see every local screening of it. They just, have their they have their own proton pack like they've yeah, stolen they, they, nuclear they waste that, materials. That Kickstarter for a, for a life size proton pack that came about a couple of years ago. I feel like Greg Miller did he do it? Is he a huge part of like there was a Ghostbusters documentary or something? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. and he's like one of the voices in the new video game. Right. Like he's he's made like his entire thing like Ghostbusters stuff. Like he's massively into this. Like obviously those people who were born. Yeah. A little bit earlier on the eighties than than you were. Obviously, yeah. it feels like definitely, <laughs> definitely that like this is like the childhood movie for a lot of people, and you can kind of understand. I get why. it. I hundred percent get it. If if this had come out when I was a kid, I would have been. Well, I mean, that's the thing. This is not a children's movie. No, this there is, is a, a movie ghost blowjob joke. <laughs> like, which again is from like a longer sequence that had to be cut. Like there was going to yeah. be more to that, and then they were like, "This isn't working." Um, we still we've shot this scene, we've done the special effects. We'll just make it a dream that Ray is having. Yeah, and you assume this is where in Scary Movie Two a different Ray uh, fucks a ghost. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean this is one of many movies. Like I mean we're doing another one later in this in this series. You can probably figure out which one it is, but like. There are several movies that came out in the 80s explicitly not for children 
the some movie exec toy franchiser person is like this has potential you get a kind of slightly more family friendly tone in a in a follow-up project a spin-off or whatever it ends up with a cartoon and a toy line that becomes this massively popular thing where you cannot show the original in its original form to the people who are consuming the product yeah like like all the toys for this are really based off of like the real ghostbusters yeah yeah like there are fucking alien toys like yeah. <laughs> what kid is watching alien <laughs> But I guess it's just a thing where like everyone wants to franchise stuff and yeah. stuff that you can easily fra- or people want to merchandise stuff and the yeah. stuff you can easily merchandise, especially in the wake of Star Wars, is special effects heavy movies yeah. and movies with aliens or like cool sci-fi shit. And so basically every single one of those movies in the eighties, some executive is going, "Ooh, what can we do with this?" Yeah. And, and to be clear, you can you can edit around the most egregious parts of this movie quite easily. Oh, I'm sure there's a TV edit that's like super yeah. easy to just slam on. Like, Although you... there's... <laughs> Do you know what dated this more than anything we've watched in any episode? Sigourney Weaver's haircut. No. <laughs> the casual smoking. Yes. You do yes. not see that anymore. Like, the first instance when Ray is just in the hallway, I'm like, I guess this is because Dan Aykroyd can make a cigarette hang out of just his lip and they just wanted to sneak that in there. And then it's like, no, they're all just fucking smoking all the fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. like Dan, like... Dan Aykroyd's like literally, like, when his credit comes up at the end, he is like literally yeah. lighting a cigarette. Like... Lighting up like a cool guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't smoke, but if you do, go for it. But like, it's, just, it's very jarring to see because you can say what you want about, you know, morality of today or whatever. Cigarettes have like largely vanished from mass pop culture stuff you know people are still smoking in like indie movies and, and like prestige tv but yeah like, but like no one is making a pg-13 blockbuster in which any of the main characters smoke yeah like not even the villains at this point of, of, of four people hanging out and smoking anymore it, it was just really jarring i didn't expect it to be like i'm not trying to be puritanical about it it's just an artifact of like history and it was like that hit me harder than like dan Aykroyd doing blackface last week <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> But I was yeah. just like, oh god, you just do not see this anymore, but do you? <laughs> it's just so weird to think that this is a movie in which, and I think Patrick Willems said it best, like, there is no theme. <laughs> the plot <Message>. is <laughs> the plot is like really thin. It's like they bust a couple of ghosts and then they bust a bigger ghost. <laughs> big ghost. Big Zool. Uh, no, uh, big big uh, Goza, sorry. Yeah. And basically we are thirty years on. And we are still they mining can't. this movie for lore. They like, can't for lore. that magic either. Is the no, they thing. can't. Like, Everyone is like, mm, they didn't get it right. And it's like, the second one didn't get it right. Yeah. And that's the exact same people. There are, there are four Ghostbusters movies and three of them are bad. Yeah. And the best of them is Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, that's the thing. Is like, I don't think any of the any of the future attempts are good movies. However, I do think there's some comedic value in like letting um, Kate McKinnon be Kate McKinnon on camera. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, Ghostbusters two with the guns. And, Ghostbusters and, like... two is like everyone is kind of bored and taking a paycheck. Like, Dan- Bill Murray kind of like soft retires in between the release of this movie and Ghostbusters two, <laughs> and is basically tempted back to set with fucking promise of loads of money and whatnot and then it's so bad that he's like i'm out no matter what you do with ghostbusters 3 i'm out yeah like <laughs> then... he is he is the thing that is holding it back for yeah. for so long is basically just like every single time they're like seth rogan and evan goldberg have got like a script in the works or like we've got some of the apatow guys to like write a script for it and murray's just like no yeah. bad bad script he did cameo in um, lady ghostbusters right 
yeah, he's he's the one with the biggest role in that movie. Like yeah. like everyone else is like a tiny tiny role, kind of like playing someone related to the other characters. And Bill Murray is like a paranormal scientist who like doesn't yeah. believe in them and gets yeeted out a window. Uh, yeah, by a so it's well, like he's, he's that's the EVA it's guy. clearly not a a, a sequel because um, he's a different person. <laughs> Whereas, like, I, I gather they're all back. I haven't seen Afterlife. I read the plot summary just now, and it's one of those where I'm like, this this makes my brain hurt. I can't follow it. Like, uh, Afterlife is is my least favorite Ghostbusters it movie because it's bad. <laughs> it's because it's got that false sense of like nostalgia to it, where it's like it's part. Amblin remake of of yeah. the movie, um, but then it's just completely retreading the plot of the first movie, where it's like, I mean, yeah, it was, like, it was, like I, I read like like Gozer and, and fucking um, um, the, yeah, Gozer Rick and Morales' uh, character, the uh, demon that possesses him, like yeah, like they're all back. <laughs> Yeah, like they're all back, and I'm like, why? Why are they all back? Why is Zool like, really and Gozer into, the like? They really get into the lore around the building from Ghostbusters One. Like the architect of that building is like in a coffin, conveniently in the town it's where JK they're from. Simmons, right? It's J.K. Simmons who like is literally in a coma most of the movie, and then right, he wakes because, up, and gets murdered. They make that thing in the in the prison scene of like, oh, this occultist built this building to be a giant spiritual lightning rod and so they're like chasing the origin of this guy that built the building yeah oh, why you gotta do this stuff like, do you know what's good in that movie carrie coon probably carrie coon and paul rudd having a fucking romantic comedy little side bit for about 10 minutes i was this, like this is cute get no, these to a romantic comedy please can you confirm there is a character called podcast there is a character called podcast how old is podcast uh like 10 oh, okay is is the joke he's named after podcasts like yes he makes he makes things pod, right, right, funny. okay the podcast podcast might be the worst fictional character of the 2020s so far <laughs> Um, it the, feels so like lazy like oh millennials and their podcast they've probably named their kid after the a kid is, the kid is bad <laughs> it doesn't let any of the jokes land he is just like the fourth kid in this situation right. of a movie in which like they've also got one of the stranger things yes, kids which you're just like fucking one. Yeah. fucking stop yeah. stop Hiring this kid to be in identical projects. How is he the one that gets the most work? I <laughs> for sure thought it would be Dustin. I mean, he got a weird prank show. I feel like that, like just bombed. Um, but um, Finn... yeah, like the, the joke ultimately in in the movie is that like anyone who's into the cult has heard of podcast podcast. So at oh. one point he calls up Ray, and then Ray realizes he's talking to the kid who makes these podcasts, and sorry, it's just like sorry, podcast makes podcasts as well. Yeah, podcast makes podcasts. Oh my god, about the occult. Okay. That Ray has heard in New York in his little cult shop that he's in from Ghostbusters 2, and is like, You make good content. Kid. Can I just say, that rings so false that Ray, I know it, I know it's canon, like it's in Ghostbusters 2, that Ray becomes like a guy that owns a little occult shop. It just rings false to me. Like, uh, I assume it's because Dan Aykroyd would really wants to start an occult shop. Of course, shop. but like his character is. With like, his Crystal Skull vodka. Yeah. To me, it reads as, like, Egon is, like, this is all real and I'm a scientist. And, like, Ray is, like, a big optimist about it all and is, like, romantic about ghosts. And then Peter is, like, whatever. <laughs> what does Peter bring to the operation? <laughs> like, does he actually have a degree in psychology? I mean, but then also, like, the fucking Ghostbusters Afterlife goes through, like, this whole character assassination of Egon mm. in this, like, insane way where, like, apparently he has, like, a grown daughter at the time of Ghostbusters. Yes. And who he neglects. But who he, he neglects. He keeps a secret room full of 
he keeps the fucking the movie drawer like you know every movie dad has like a secret drawer or room or folder full of like their all of their report cards and... but then proceeds to like estrange the entire rest of the team and i assume part of that obviously when you going to gets this when he gets to Ghostbusters Afterlife is designed around the fact that obviously Ramis and, and Murray fell out. And so part of it is like Murray kind of go like, Harold died. I need to make up for the fact that I was a, like a curmudgeon for so much of the last yeah. decade of a decade of our, like his life. Um, I will, I will finally do a Ghostbusters movie if we make it kind of like an Egon. Yeah. And I hear that's the part that like people like about it is that it is this touching tribute to Howard Ramis. But then they recreate him in full yes. CGI and it's like one of the most offensive things I've ever seen on screen. Yes. And I was like, I was reading like, and then and then Egon does this. I was like, how does Egon do this? <laughs> it, it, with a CGI recreation. I know, which I know. Is, I, uh, I read into it, but like, I was like, oh no. I, I was like, okay, maybe a a prologue scene using some archive footage and, 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 and whatever, but like he can't be an active contributor to this movie throughout, and yet apparently he is. He is mostly a ghost playing chess with his, with his granddaughter, invisibly. Um, we Half simply like, can't like... talk about anything that isn't Ghostbusters 1 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, that's, but that's the thing, is like so much of the aftermath of this movie is just people going around, we need more Ghostbusters, yeah. and you're just kind of like, Ghostbusters 1's pretty fucking good! You don't need sequels to Ghostbusters good. 1. It's just... It is just one of those things where, like, anything that fails will be pinned on on any number of reasons. People just overlook that Ghostbusters 2 is so fucking bad. Like, mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, yeah, of course it doesn't work. It's all women. It's pandering. It's, you know, it's woke. Oh, yeah. Oh, another woman is the protagonist and there's kids in it. No, I th- like, the and issues like, no, with Ghostbusters... Just, they caught lightning in a bottle. It's the tone. It's the, like... Yeah, the like place they're, they're... they all were in their careers. It's not about, like, the lore, which, which is, like, so, like... Like, look no further than Peter basically openly mocking everything that's happening. That's that yeah. is. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you, you, you watch Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, and the things that are bad about that movie are just things that are bad about the way in which we make comedy and blockbusters at yeah. this point in time. Where like you're trying to make this improv heavy movie mm-hmm. in which everyone gets to like do their own thing, which means that it's kind of hard to get a grasp uh, get a grasp of what a character's meant to be doing because. Everyone's trying to be funny. Yeah, his Chris Hemsworth have... doing his bad American accent again. Yeah, but like you also have like this movie kind of like there are straight people. There are characters who aren't there to do jokes or or like when they're funny, they're funny inadvertently. But in Ghostbusters 2016, kind of everyone's competing for it. But you've also saddled like Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig with kind of being the relative the straight people. <laughs> And so you have McKinnon just kind of like picking up all the way. And then the other side of it is, is you decide to make it a huge CGI block fest at the end. Mm. And because it's all previs and stuff like that, you can't do any of the improv stuff. That... Pretty funny when they all dance, though, huh? <laughs> um... But yeah, you, you, but then you watch this movie and you're like, yes, there are special effects, but it's very obvious that all of them are done very like purposely and quite often are done in like a montage where it's not actually impacting the performances that the character that the the actors are trying to give yeah and then you come to it and you just realize that like six of the seven actors in this movie will forever be like known for this this film yeah, yeah. and i think the only one who is not like the first movie you think of when you think of this when you when you think of ghostbusters is sigourney weaver and that's only because she has alien yeah 
Yeah. Like, like this is the Bill Murray movie. This is the Dan Aykroyd movie. This is the, the Ramus movie, the Moranis movie, the Potts movie, the Hudson movie. Yeah. All of them now and forever. Is Bill Murray the only actor we've covered in all four volumes? I believe so. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we did Grand Budapest, we did Groundhog Day, and we did... Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. Yeah. So we've kind of covered kind of like also the kind of the four big benchmarks of his career as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we've we've done an Anderson, we've done uh, like his most acclaimed uh, drama performance, we've yeah. done probably his most acclaimed actual like Solo comedic vehicle. performance, yeah, yeah. And then we've also yeah. done what is the defining movie of his entire career. Yeah. And I mean, Bill Murray, like he, he is, he, he is fucking a, a, rips in this. Like, he's incredible. He's a, he's a prickly fucking asshole who obviously is getting in some controversy at the moment for his like treatment of people on set. I think it's just been one of those activities that's been allowed for far too long in I think there's just been this proliferation of like these legendary Bill Murray stories but like even those if you like really examine them there's some like pretty dickish behaviour contained within them of him like going behind the bar and like making everybody the exact same drink no matter what they order it's like yeah that's funny but that's also kind of a dick move (laughs) hi I'm allergic to this here you go yeah exactly (laughs) or like I don't know, stealing stealing food from somebody and saying nobody will ever believe you. It's like you still stole your <laughs> stole your food. <laughs> yeah, I could see him being a real dick in real life. But like it's very unfortunate because this era of Bill Murray and it's actually kind of linked because like Peter is not a great dude, but like he's so fucking charming, just relentlessly hitting on women. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is like what makes this movie work is Bill Murray and you really can't mm-hmm. magic that up out of nowhere where it's just this guy has kind of like had a a run of appearances in movies he hasn't led anything really up to this point like he's done like obviously stripes is kind of like his first mm-hmm. big example of kind of like getting to lead a movie but this is like the, the 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 one that kind of like cements him as a star and as i said earlier on after this he has one appearance in a movie between now and 1980 1988 and it's the cameo in little shop of horrors yeah is like his only real big role after 1984 until he does Scrooge Ghostbusters Ghostbusters 2 and whatnot yeah he just kind of gets sick of the fame obviously but he he's been working so steadily since like 77 on SNL yeah but yeah Bill Murray good right just like just letting him go is is the success of this movie of like everyone else is treating it with like deadly serious and exposing like uh, espousing plot and everything and he is just like the funny guy poking holes in it and and like injecting levity and like yeah relentlessly hitting on women I mean, who are that, like sick of his shit but like <laughs> that's the thing it's like Ackroyd and Ramis are both kind of doing what they're brought in to do in the script which is like Ackroyd is coming at it from a, like a full like I believe in the afterlife like I I fully believe in this stuff and Ramis is injecting the science and they're kind of bouncing each other out and then you have Murray just there going like this is fucking dumb yeah all of this yeah and like oh it could be a case of this and this and like, i don't believe in that stuff so like, that's fine because i don't either like, <laughs> and they they find some moments later as it goes on to let Ackroyd and ramus be like kind of a little bit goofier and funny like you know like calling the epa guy dickless and like don't look into the trap i looked into the trap ray <laughs> just stuff like that um and by the end like yeah ray is just kind of like mugging for camera and smoking cigarettes and being a cool guy but yeah like it's it's just so funny that like this everything in this movie is like a is like a satellite orbiting around murray who is just giving this tour de force like most charming 
man alive but secretly a dick um shall we before... should we do some context before we like yeah, dive into the sorry, actual like yeah. events of this movie so movie as we said is from 1984 so it is actually nominated for two academy awards neither of which are best picture which matthew will tell us in just a second but it was nominated for best original song um it loses to i just called to say i love you uh, by stevie wonder who is on like his insane hot streak yeah but... uh, at the time <sighs> fine <laughs> uh, and then it's also up for best visual effects, which it loses to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which I, I, I guess... I mean, this has one of the worst shots you'll ever see in your life. Like, the, when the gargoyles, or whatever they are, are chasing Rick Moranis through the city, the worst age CGI I think I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen Jason and the Argonauts multiple <laughs> times. Uh, but also nominated in that category is 2010, the sequel to 2001, <laughs> uh, and of course, this movie, which, I mean... Some of the special effects in this movie, especially like the the stop motion stuff, is really fucking cool because it very much is in that style of Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. In a lot of ways, and it is like just kind of cool and fun and practical, and it's better yeah. than some of the stuff going on. But yeah, and like I think, like the proton packs look look decent. Mm-hmm. It's just the creatures when they're in motion are, are bad, like real, real bad. <laughs> and like you can tell like that they know because like you look at that gargoyle. It like is stopping so it can lie flat, so it can be like a puppet that is being operated practically, and it looks good suddenly. And then when it starts moving, it just looks like shit. Hey, fun. Uh, but yeah, the the Oscars were nom- were dominated by Amadeus, uh, the hit song by Falco. Um, just for me, that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amadeus wins Best Picture. Uh, Milos Forman wins Best Director. F. Mary Abraham wins Best Actor. Or for Amadeus, Amadeus beats The Killing Fields, A Passage to India, Places in the Heart, and A Soldier's Story. Pretty weak category, IMO. So, uh, but what, Amadeus what, were the, what were the highest grossing movies of the year, though, Matt? Uh, well, you said one of them, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, he has gained, his name is now added to the marquee, as it should be. Beating out Beverly Hills Cop at number two. Sorry, uh... Temple of Doom makes $333 million at the box office, which, you know, I'm sick of saying it, but, you know, if you adjusted that now, that's like a billion dollars, probably. Um, Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Grand Canyon, The Hidden Secrets. People really wanted to go to that Grand Canyon. They really did. Gremlins, Romancing the Stone, The Karate Kid, Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock, Police Academy, Footloose, The Terminator, Purple Rain, Splash, Rock Me Amadeus, Tightrope. Yeah, so, I mean... A very money, money makers good, Oscar winners bad, heavy. But yeah, like you look, you look at that highest grossing movies, and it is very much kind of all stuff that inspires sequels or is sequel to stuff. Like, in fact, it really, it's just it's just Grand Canyon that's kind of slacking at the moment. Like, why isn't there a sequel to Grand Canyon? Mm-hmm. Where's my Grand Canyon two? Grand Grand Canyon, even more hidden secrets. <laughs> This time it's personal origin. Thing is, you look at the box office on that one and it is all international, so it really is all just kind of like Europeans going like, ah, yes, I can never afford a flight to America to go witness the Grand Canyon. Or if I can afford a flight, I'm definitely not going to the fucking Grand Canyon. I'm going to New York or I'm going to LA, baby. Fuck yeah. You know what the Oscars got right? Purple Rain by Prince wins best score. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Greatest musician who ever lived. Anyway, let's talk about... Why didn't you go for Purple Rain on this list? I don't think Purple Red is a very good movie. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I just love, I fucking love Prince. But yeah, that doesn't mean we, we stand them in everything they're in. Uh, yeah, so Bill Murray uh, and Ghostbusters. It, it just rules. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's so good. And like my only 
I've got like one more hot take in my pocket, which is basically just Bill Murray's great in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think there is one performance in this movie that's better than Bill Murray's. It's Rick Moranis. It's Rick Moranis. <laughs> Rick Moranis disappearing for what, 15, 20 years? Uh, when does it, so Rick Moranis, his last film appearance properly was in a, 1996. So he has been gone oh pretty much entirely since 1996. Like he, he does Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Yeah. He does a couple of voice roles. Yeah. He's a, supposedly coming back for the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot. Yeah. I feel he's been in something in the last three or four years. He was in the Goldbergs. He does the voice for, for Darth Helmet. Okay. Or Dark Helmet, even. Okay. But like, he really, really has been just kind of like not doing all that much. He, like, got, if he... he got mugged recently, didn't he? He did. And it's really sad because he's like this. Like everybody recognizes Mick R- Rick Moranis, even if you don't recognize the name, you see the guy, you immediately know who the fuck that is. And like, but the yeah, thing is, like, he's just vanished completely. The thing is, because it's and like the reason why is just so heartbreaking is because like his wife died of cancer in nineteen ninety one. Right. He does a few more roles kind of in the years after that, and then basically he just goes like, I want to spend time with my family. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not interested in being a movie star. Like, I'm going to spend time with my two kids. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, if, if, he's, if he's happy with being gone, which I assume he is because, like, he could get a role whenever he wanted, really. Oh, that's the thing. is like, power it, to him. I just miss like, him. I'm like, I'm sure. He's so fucking good. In, yeah. Like, Everything, I'm sure Ghostbusters yeah. 2016 and Ghostbusters Afterlife, they're coming up with money for him and just like, do you want to come back? Do you want to come do a cameo in this movie? Yeah. And obviously he declines both of those movies. I don't think he does the role in the video game either. But he, yeah, like this, this is just kind of a complete star making uh, like performance from him. And obviously like he's got Little Shop later on this decade. He's got Space Force. He's got Honey, I Front the Kids. He's got Parenthood. Like, like. He's so good in this though. as just, Like talking a hundred miles an hour, just the About dullest nothing. the dullest little man in the whole world. I assume part of why he's cast is he is so significantly shorter than Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Very funny when she bends him up. Also, did the two demons bone? Yeah. <laughs> like That also happens in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like the two demons inhabit Karakun and Paul Rudd and then there is just like an extended sequence of them like just wanting to fuck. Fair enough. I mean, you know, I'm not going to demon shame, but just like canonically, Lewis Tully banged Dana Barrett. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, but he's just so good, and like, I mean, the the bit where he's just like, oh yeah, I, I like, I know this looks really expensive, but like, if I invite all my clients to this rather than friends, friend, clients rather than friends is tax deductible. Good salmon. I got it. At blah 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 after tax, and then oh, I know it looks good. Oh. And then like putting his friends on blast when they come through the door. It's like. Oh, she's drawing salary from a bonus they got three years ago. They've still got this much left in the bank. It's like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> and the, but then he's also dancing dance. with like his like really hot blonde girlfriend. <laughs> he's just girlfriend? like I assume so. I don't assume so. I assume he's got several ladies like Dana who he just harasses on the daily <laughs> and says, like, please come to my party. No, it's, I it's think great, I think because he's doing all of that and he's so he's such a little bore and he you know for him to be like, maybe if we dance, everyone will dance. And you expect her to just be like, fuck off, dude. She's like, okay. And then they just both snap into this little like, fucking cringe little boogie. I love it. He's so good. Uh, and then him like just cowardly running away when he's like being chased by the demon. <laughs> and then... <laughs> like, the world Rick Mar- is too good for Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis is Rick just... too good for the world, even. <laughs> he's so fucking good at this movie. I absolutely... Yeah. Like, he is the performance I latch onto every single time I watch this. Like, I... Uh, 
I will say they made, well, I mean, they made many mistakes in the sequel, but casting Peter McNichol in a movie that also has written Morales, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I guess is what they like. It's like the meme where it's like, we've got Rick Morales at home and it's Peter McNichol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree. He is, I, I would still say I prefer Murray, um, but Morales is like a threatening to steal the show. So great opposite Sigourney Weaver, um, who just, you know, I mean, she's not acting her ass off or anything, but good in the movie. I mean, he's so good that they kind of go like, well, we have to bring him back in the next one. And also <laughs> his role in the next one is he's just really horny for Janine. Of course. Of and course. so it's literally just like, I mean, it, it, they, they like supposed to be babysitting mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver's son in that movie. And then just like not the mother of, of Carrie Crane. She? No, she's not like yeah. it, it, confusing, even though there is like another implied oral sex joke when, Egon is just under the desk. Yes, yes, indeed. While while Bill Murray slinks off into the background and vanishes behind a cabinet, setting up the incredible piece where Sigourney Weaver walks through the door and he pops up in the background, sprints over and jumps over a desk to get to her. Kind of, oh, so good. I mean, what I like about this movie especially is that it realises we're doing a horror movie in part, so we kind of yeah. have to start off with some scares. Right. And it's something that, like... Ghostbusters 2016 also gets right is it's yes. like we have to go for like a soft PG-13 scare yeah. in the opening just to kind of set up that like we are a horror movie. It's a decent scary monster the, the one in the basement at the start of, of, of 2016 Ditto the one in the library like start off with just like the lady in, in the library but like when you actually see the ghost and they all are just down there in the basement and it's just sort of floating there in the distance like that's kind of creepy and then it, it full on like skeleton face screams at them and I, th- I think they get... A... Well, I don't know. Were they aiming for a PG-13? Did that exist then? I don't uh, know. PG-13 this... is created for Gremlins or around right. Gremlins. Oh, it's like, okay. like, this is the year where the PG-13 rating kind of has to yeah. come into... But it's just... I, oh, I, yeah. I noted it, that, like, uh, to undercut any tension of them running away, they play the, like, funny music as they're sprinting away kind of thing. Just like, oh, no, yeah. don't worry about it. What's... You you look at the highest grossing movies of this year, and it's Temple of Doom, Gremlins, and this, and you just kind of have to assume that because all of them are such monster hits, and all of them, you could see a world in which they got an R rating. They do... They obviously have to create the PG-13 rating. It's, it's in the same way that in the UK, it's like, yes, we have the 12 rating for ages, but they're also slowly realising that, like we're heading into a decade in which Spider-Man is going to be rated 12. Mm-hmm. So, like, we kind of need to to let kids in to watch this. Yeah. Um, we just had that realisation kind of, like, 15 years after America did. Yeah. Uh, even though our rating system makes way more sense than the American rating system. Yep, and, like, everything is a lower rating comparatively. Like, very little gets our highest rating. So many things that are for us a 15 would be an 18 in America. Like, yeah. Or no, there's an R, so it's like 17 well, years old. It's, sure. it's, it's the fact they don't have that like buffer category in between R and NC-17 or whatever. Well, they're also just really weirdly precious about certain things and not others. And it's like, where is the consistency in your alleged morality system? <laughs> it doesn't exist. Anyway, yeah. I, so I Something that really struck me this time is like, you really notice the difference in pace then compared to now. And I'm not, I don't want to like beat 2016 Ghostbusters over the head. Let's just say any movie these days. For them to, within 20 minutes, have the outfit, the name, the tech, the car, a commercial, build... Do they have the building at that? Yeah. Yeah, they, they've they just... Have they have all the they... shit, and they're off to go see a ghost in 20 minutes. That would take 40 these days. 45, possibly. <laughs> and, just, and then 10 minutes later, they've got 
they're like famous and like they're like properly into it now and like I mean, yeah that's the thing is like when you when you have the 2016 ghostbusters like yes when they go to the haunted house like when they go to the house they don't have any of the stuff and all the rest of it but like they don't actually have the gear hmm. for a good long while in that movie yeah. like and then there's like entire montages of them developing the stuff whereas this movie's just like yeah. and off screen we developed all of their stuff like there's no scene of it's, them like in 2016 yeah. testing the guns and whatnot it's literally just here we go. We have the guns. Now we're going to go fight Slimer in a hotel. Yeah. It's 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 the Iron Man factor. It's, it's superheroes. Like we are trained now. They will not be in the proper costume with the proper outfit and all of their powers for at least an hour. And like that's bullshit, man. Get me into the thing I paid to see as quick as you can, please. Well, the thing is, because this this movie, like the main plot of it, is like super backgrounded, and they're just like, no, we realize that what you need to do is you need to have examples of them being good at their jobs before we introduce like a world ending threat like yeah. it's we'll have fucked the... up they never go back to that library that we see <laughs> i assume they do maybe but like you know they go in there they see a fucking ghost ray girls get them get her which they you know go get her ray comes back at the end they're scared they run away they get fired they go solo Peter seemingly mortgages Ray's house against his will. <laughs> um, and then they film this delightfully terrible commercial that, like, could only come from people of that era of SNL. You know, just, just yeah, so good, so awesome. Also, I, I, I have to put in a complaint about Afterlife again at this point. So they, they have a scene where one of the grandkids finds the commercial... And is like, wow, can you believe this? Like, they found ghosts. Ghosts are real. And you're like... New York almost ended. Twice. twice. <laughs> the Statue of Liberty came to life and rampaged through downtown Manhattan. Like, uh... what you say? Like, what mo- Like, you can't just say that in the 20 years in between Ghostbusters 2 and 2016 or whatever, or in, in 2020, like, everyone forgot. I mean, in the, the Eternals, exist. a giant man's face and hand came out and are permanently just part of the Earth, and not one person has mentioned it since. So... To be fair, we've only had like four movies since then, Matt. What do you expect them to do? Have some to, some kind of like cohesive world at this point in Marvel? Sure, and there's been like sixty hours of Marvel content, and nobody has once said, "Oh yeah, the Avengers are just over there doing something," or like the Avengers don't exist anymore. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah, like that that is dumb that they don't acknowledge that. But yeah, just it just hit me so hard that like, yeah, we're just really fucking moving. Let's just get to the heart of what this is. But it's thing not is the movie... fun to see them struggle. It's fun to see them like scrappily succeed. <laughs> but the movie still has time for the jokes. And so yeah. like the fact that like you're introduced to Venkman and he's doing the fucking like the ESP, ESP test. test. Yeah. Where he's like, he's so uninterested in the guy, and it's just like, I'm gonna shock you no matter what you say. Which leads to the funny point where like the guy gets it correct, and he doesn't even bother looking at the card. He's just like, no, I'm I'm well, flirting it, with it's this. The, it's that he's showing the guy his incorrect guesses every time, and mm. he never once shows the woman who's guessing wrong every time, and just tells her she's right. And the one time the guy gets it wrong. He doesn't show him the card. Gets it right. He doesn't show him the card. Yeah, but then also like he says that his entire test is like, what does stress do to ESP? Yeah. And like that would imply that stress makes ESP stronger, which is exactly what he's supposed to be studying. But he also doesn't give a shit about what the thesis is that he's <laughs> supposed to be I'm studying. Saying. What is he bringing to any of this operate? Like, does he actually believe in ESP? Like, does he doesn't believe in ghosts? Like. He what, says do you th- what do you think Venkman wants to get out of being like a professor? Like, because it feels seemingly like seemingly money, but there's no money in it. So, like, one of my favorite lines is like, 
oh, when we worked for the college, they gave us money and, and resources and we didn't have to do anything. <laughs> and also I had a parade of hot early 20-year-olds parading through my well, office. There's, there is that, for sure. Like, his little fate, when he's doing, like, the come on, like, the weird little half mime. and. So what we're saying is, is Ray, or Peter Venkman is basically pervy Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. He's not as handsome, but it does seem like it's working. She's willing to come back to his lab by herself at 8 p.m. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, and he like does the soft impression of her too. But yeah, then we're just straight off to the library, and like it, we have ridiculous dialogue like, listen, do you smell something? <laughs> um, just, mwah. <laughs> I don't write him like that anymore. And I just think the dynamic works so well with like, you have a cynic, you have an optimist, and you have a scientist kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and and. Unfortunately, the dynamic becomes, and we have a black guy. Which yes, they are so committed to throughout the year. <laughs> which is but then also, it's up. so endearing. Like, like Ernie Hudson completely fucking shafted him over these movies, yeah. and yet he's got this like real big torch for Ghostbusters. He's like the one who's like, yeah, fuck it, I'm ready, I'm back in the suit. I fucking love Ghostbusters, yeah. and I and have they to imagine keep it's bringing just... him back, which is which is nice. Like if they just no, but... completely pretended it was just a three man show. Well, like the setup for Ghostbusters Afterlife Two is basically that that Winston is going to be running a Ghostbusters team. <laughs> Like, like he literally has. He's literally become. Oh, didn't he think, become rich off of that? He's become that, rich, yeah. and then the end of the movie, the stinger is that he's bought the bought the firehouse. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. So, like, that. whatever. And, like the vault makes the red light or whatever. And... Which, which again, like Ernie Hudson, just like endearingly fucking loves Ghostbusters, even though you watch this movie and like he's got like three scenes, and one of them like he's like talking to Ray, and then it's. It's it is a shame. I it's think so, it's I, I so do weird. think it's nice that they just they all hang out. Like yeah, you could see a world where he's like kind of hired to be like the dumb muscle or like carry the equipment or whatever. And like we do have multiple scenes where they're just chilling and like just driving around together, chatting, sitting around, talking. Like it, it it's it still kind of sucks because he's like very much and the other guy. But you know, it, I I guess. You know, they do make an attempt to be like, oh no, they're all friends, don't worry about it. But like, his role think... is arguably smaller than Janine's. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Who, you know, very very good. Annie Potts. Bo Peep herself. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, very good in the movie. I love Peter, like, trying to sass her and then, like, clearly, like, a tiny bit afraid of her, so, like, walks back his, his insult a little bit. Um, yeah, real good. It, I think Chris it is Hemsworth, funny, it is funny that... <laughs> it is funny that Annie Potts is kind of... The the one actor I think who is like in the main body of every Ghostbusters movie apart from Murray, mm. where like because Annie Potts obviously like she comes to come see Carrie Coon in the start of the Ghostbusters movie and is like gives her the little sob story about Egon and I'm like again like another one who's really enthusiastic for it but then on the flip side of it you got Sigourney Weaver who also really fucking loves doing Ghostbusters movies but exclusively does post credit scenes <laughs> for them. The kiss at the end of this movie, improvised. <laughs> I have to imagine so. Because, like, the little look on her face of the reluctant, like, okay, fine, we'll kiss. <laughs> like, and he doesn't, it, it doesn't last very long, and then he just sort of, like, pulls away from it, like, just kind of like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I imagine most of those credits were improvised. But, yeah, I think she just likes having fun with these guys, and it's, like, an easy paycheck. And, you know, like, Alien is such an intense thing to have to do. Whereas yeah. she's got some very funny moments in this, but, like, a lot of it is just, you're just the lady. <laughs> but it, it is weird to think, because obviously this is kind of... It's five years after Aliens come out. 
she hasn't really had like that huge movie in between and then she does aliens and obviously gets an oscar nomination mm-hmm. and then it feels like that's the train where we're like and then sigourney weaver's going to be an oscar winning actress he's going to forever do this she does work gorillas in the mist she does work in girl gets a joint gets joint nominations for both of those movies and then basically after that, her entire awards run has ended. She does Ghostbusters 2, Alien 3. And then now she's kind of at a point in her career where she's like still delivering the goods, mm. like, but is also very much kind of also just playing the same role in an awful lot of these movies. But like, yeah. like well, she's she... got to play like mums now, doesn't she? Like she, she's not getting lead roles and things. But I'm even thinking like she plays essentially the same role in Paul as she does in Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> I forgot um, she was in Kevin in the Woods for a second. There. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, but she's also really fucking good in stuff like uh, stuff like Galaxy Quest, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, so she's still like giving out these really good performances every so often, but it just feels like she's being put into into the wrong roles essentially. I think she's it's just like, like she's just forever a good sport who deserves a lot better, but like is happy to just take the work that is given to her. Like, ah, okay, I'll have. To and now she's playing a teenager in Avatar two and three. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's big water boy winter. To be fair, season. James Cameron did get her her first Oscar nomination. So like, what can you do? What can you? When she tells him he's like a game show host, he looks so wounded, and I don't know why I find that so funny, but I really do. Like, she is constantly telling him to basically fuck off, and when she tells him he's like a game show host, it's the first time it seems like he's like, ow. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, and then doesn't he end up sort of hosting? He like. In Ghostbusters 2, isn't he doing like a talk, sh- like a, he's bringing on people that have had encounters with ghosts or whatever? Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. he is. He is. He is hosting that. Yeah. So, well, she's not wrong. Yeah. She, she completely understands what he is, but she does, like, it's that kind of standard 80s trope where there's this kind of sleazy guy, but like the woman will, will slowly kind of like fall for his charms over the movie, even if she's initially resistant to him. Yeah. Yeah. Consent is a fluid thing. In the 80s more than any other time. <laughs> well, indeed. Um, yeah, so they go to the hotel, and, you know, they, 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 they successfully catch their first ghost, and fucking trash the place in the meantime. Oh, like, the stuff, like, the fact that they're, like, destroying the tables trying to make room for the trap, and then Peter's just like... Again, I assume Bill Murray just wanted to try that, and they just yeah, exactly. it's fine. <laughs> he wants to pull a tablecloth off a, off a laid table. Then completely overcharges, like, just making up numbers off the top of his head where it's like, yeah, $4,000 to do this, $1,000 to dispose of it. But that's a uh, special. Right now they've got a special on uh, on storage and trapping or something. And then you have to imagine they go away immediately and go, like, well, we need to actually come up with a price structure for this. And then you just have a montage where apparently they just, like, sort out the entire ghost problem in New York within, yeah. like, like, a couple of weeks. Hugely popular. Larry King. Casey Kasem allegedly, although I assume every Casey Kasem appearance in anything is an impression, because all the voice actors love doing impressions of him. Uh, Time magazine, they're, they're everywhere. Um, Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. Definitely uncontroversial Ron Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like that Ray is willing to go through with Peter's threat of like, when the guy's like, oh, I'm not paying. So, like, oh, okay, we'll just let it out then. Like, he's like, okay, oh, yeah, right. Like, you would think he would be like, no, we must catch, we must go and study the, the ghost. I would never even, as a joke, consider letting it go. But it's like, no, we've got we to gotta make some fucking money. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and this is kind of the other weakness of the 2016 Ghostbusters, is that movie hues too closely to the structure of, of the first movie. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's where you go wrong. You either, like, try and basically replicate the beats 
or you try and replicate like the the the, the nitty gritty of the plot, and it sounds like you know Afterlife does one, and and, and I know that twenty sixteen does the other, and it's like it's more about the spirit of the thing than what is happening, you know, like like, and that's that's why one is so much better than two because two lost that irreverence and that like. Yeah, two starts to treat this like really seriously. It's like, what if we put a baby in trouble in this one? Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah, two's a two's a weird movie. Like, there's yeah. some moments that really stick out in my head. Like, the dancing toaster is one that definitely <laughs> sticks out in my head. But like, it, it really is just a movie where you're like, I don't, I can't put my finger on what they lost, but they've definitely lost something. It's 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 the it's the vibe, it's the tone, it's it's the behavior of the cast. It, it's it's basically Bill Murray being let loose on a thing that is ridiculous and they're not like fighting too hard to tell you no it's not ridiculous whereas there is this real clamping down on no this is all deadly serious so obviously this does not end up in the official list of snl movies because it's not based on an snl sketch sure this is the best snl movie though isn't it like like obviously like an awful lot of movies yeah. in this kind of like early 80s window are being made with ex snl stars like yeah, so yeah. like trading place is, is an snl movie in in all but name as well because obviously mm-hmm. it is admittedly two actors who weren't together on snl but it is two no. snl alumni um yeah i mean if we want to use these loose terms then yeah ghostbusters far and away i was considering making you have wayne's world on on this list hey yeah yeah but uh, then you just get me ranting about bohemian rhapsody <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> and the awful, awful Mike Myers cameo in that movie. <laughs> Have you not seen Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen movie? Oh, sorry, sorry. Right, gotcha. I was, I thought you were saying you were going to rant about the song. No, no, I'm going to rant about the cameo from Mike Myers in Bohemian Rhapsody. No, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, there's a scene where Mike Myers plays a record executive in that movie. Right. And he is like, they play Bohemian Rhapsody for him and he goes like, nah, it's too long, it'll never be a hit. Kids will never headbang along to this song and he like looks at the camera. <laughs> Do you think a single human being has seen that um, like sketch show? He's, he's with, with Shrek. Yeah. What? With Shrek. With Shrek. Oh yeah, the, the, the new show on Netflix where he plays like eight characters yeah. um, went minorly viral because in the fourth episode Shrek shows up. What the? Now I have to fucking watch the damn thing. Um, also, incredible all-time moment for this website when site founder Mike Thomas was perplexed. <laughs> that people were talking about Shrek and we all had to say to him, Michael, I have not used the internet in my entire, for a week of my life without seeing Shrek. (laughs) And he just completely has gone over his head that there is this sort of ironic or not obsession with Shrek. Um, Shrek is love, Shrek is life. (laughs) Shrek dresses the same as Han Solo. Um, (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, so yeah, they established Don't Cross the Streams in the hotel, all good movies, signpost things and bring them back later, obviously. Real good. And then, you know, I mean, the d- rise d- to success, and then things getting real bad. With... I, the, the, the weird thing about this movie is, like, they're just kind of, like, looking around for what government agency would take issue with this. The and they EPA. And on the EPA. <laughs> and, like, but it's so weird for them to go, like, yes, the EPA are the villains of our movie, and it's like, surely they're like one of the good strains of government. Poison Ivy is a very bad lady. It's is actually, is it's Poison very... Ivy affiliated with the EPA? <laughs> Probably. It w- it's just so funny to like, 
read old comics, like watch old cartoons, and Poison Ivy and Rachel Ghoul being presented as just the worst fucking people in the world, and like gently dunking on them for being like into environmentalism. <laughs> and then it's like this sharp turn where it's like, right, we have to change their motivations and like make Poison Ivy a good guy and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's like what Marvel's doing at this point, where like there's multiple Thanos's right mugs just floating around their universe at this point, and, a, and an ice cream shop. Uh, <laughs> I'm really it, looking forward to watching that movie. <laughs> Infinity Cones. Good name. Anyway, yeah. So, so like, I mean, the, the, the EPA the, is the, the villains, like. Walter Peck, Walter Peck is fun. I like William Atherton in this role. Yeah. But it is such like a weird stretch for them to go like, yeah, like the villains are the agency that are basically going like, you guys are keeping ghosts underground with nuclear power. Um, I mean, they're not seems wrong. Pre- seems pretty bad. <laughs> the fact that he's like, switch it off, I don't care what they're saying about how dangerous it is, is, you know, classic movie villainy. But like, I can see why they would take issue with this fucking unregulated like revolutionary scientific thing that has not been studied and tested yeah like i wouldn't say turn it off if like the people doing it is like ghosts are gonna come out and like if you'd seen the news you'd realize that maybe ghosts were real or whatever they don't say that they say if you turn it off like the building will blow up (laughs) and he's like "Mm, i don't know man and then there's like a three-way argument where like venkman's trying to convince them not to do it the guy who's supposed to do it is like getting feisty the police officer's getting feisty and it's yeah. like don't you just tell so- me what to do you little fucking <laughs> environmentalist hippie dipshit <laughs> and then lewis is just in the corner just like doing rick Moranis stuff yes while he's uh is he the key master he's vince clortho the key master he's the key master and she's the gatekeeper when she answers the door to ray <laughs> with the giant fucking hair everything blowing in the breeze like weirdly lit are you the key master not that i'm aware of and she just closes the door and then she does the exact same question again and he's like yes uh it's my cousin <laughs> or oh my god i just <laughs> sigourney weaver's really good at comedy in this she is like underrated as a comedic actress like she is someone who normally obviously does get pegged as a dramatic actress yeah. and an action star but she's really good at the comedy in this yeah absolutely oh god and like <laughs> yeah yeah and but yeah uh... the, the, the then you get like not the most iconic scene in this movie, because obviously we've still got the safe of Marshmallow Man to come, but, like, the scene of them in the mayor's office, there's just got so many quotable lines where, like, they call him Dickless, and then he goes, like, it's is true, this... true, this man has no dick. <laughs> um, like, um, like, dogs and cats, like... Yeah, oh, it's good, yeah, he's listing all the ways the world's gonna be fucked up, and one of them is dogs and cats are living together. <laughs> um, and then, like, when they drag Walter Peck away, he's like, I'm gonna send you a fruit basket. <laughs> But then ultimately, like he's, they're talking to to Lenny, like the mayor of New York, and are just like, "If you don't let us do this, you won't get the votes." Yes, millions of people save millions of eligible voters. <laughs> just, it's just such a funny, kind of like pessimistic nineties eighties thing, where it's like, "I will only do things if it means I'll get more votes." Is just such a amusing yeah, yeah. strain for this movie <laughs> to go, and then the movie's just on rails for this entire action like set piece at the end where it's just you have them like climbing up the never ending flights of stairs because the elevators are out <laughs> briefly falling into a little chasm and then just coming back out for more cheers yeah Zool just completely destroying them at first mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah and then Zool becomes 
the Stay Put Marshmallow Man. Yep. Well, what do you make of of Zool before Zool becomes the Stay Put Marshmallow? Do you know who plays Zool in Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde because Olivia Wilde was in Raymond's last movie. Sorry, so J- uh, Olivia Wilde was in Year One, which is Ramus's last movie. Ramus's last movie. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did read that. But yeah, an odd choice to just have. Like, who even is the actor for for the, Zool before the change? And they they make a whole point of like, I thought Zool was a man, and it's like Zool can be whatever he wants to be. And then it's just like, oh, okay. It's just like you would expect this to be somebody famous these days. And I, I mean, again, I guess this is how. But it's like, it's also change. kind of not because they're also kind of doing them up in, in makeup. Or like, not makeup, but it's like, kind of like a little bit of CGI. Yeah. Who is Zool? Yeah. One not, second. Even, not even listed as far as I can see. Zool actress was also Goza. Sorry, Goza actress. Yes, Goza actress. Yeah, Goza actress is Slavica Jovan. Right. Who... Were they just looking for like a striking androgynous like? I think so. Tall I think that's lady, just, like... just the kind of thing that they would do back then. Yeah, 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 she's got very few movies. She's in like a couple of movies in the eighties and nineties, and then doesn't come back until she's a tarot card reader in Knight of Cups, the um, the Malik movie. Yeah. <laughs> Goza is such a striking figure. Like, mm-hmm. like it's kind of like such a cool, like just piece of design work, and then. Then they go like full like well how do we soften this literally with the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? Nobody think of anything, and then the fucking thing smiling as it's rampaging around the corner. I almost wish it never did the angry face, you know, yes. like it was always just really happy while it was trying to destroy everything. So one thing I really appreciate about this is like they could have got a real like product mascot mm-hmm. for this. Instead, they come up with something and immediately become so fucking iconic. That people... I, I would... How many people do you think think that that's a real brand and a real... I have to assume a lot of them do. And obviously, like, <laughs> it, they make real Stay Puts in Ghostbusters Afterlife. There is a scene in which Paul Rudd is chased out of them all by mini Stay Puts. Yes, I saw that in the trailer. Um... Uh, but then the thing that really fucked me up is I always got the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man confused with the Michelin Tire Man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know if that's not a thing outside the UK. Can I just say, it super fucks me up that Michelin stars and Michelin, the fucking tyre company, are the, are same, the same thing. And like, I say this, um, I'm told, you're an idiot. It's, of course it makes sense. They make like road travel guides. You want to stop off and get food. Here's the... I'm like, they make tyres! <laughs> Who are they to say? Who's good at cooking? <laughs> sure, but this is the same thing as like Hitachi... Make like one of the best vibrators in the world. Yeah, but they also make vehicles. Yeah, and like Yamaha make like instruments, motorbikes. motorbikes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Companies are weird. I I I gotta say I I I knew you'd get a vibrator in somewhere in this podcast. Didn't think it would be Ghostbusters. Why? I don't this know. Is a very, this is a very horny movie. Yeah, I want you inside me. It sounds like there's at least two people in there already. <laughs> I, I looked at the runtime of this. There's like 
10 minutes left like there's something really refreshing about watching a movie from like the 60s 70s or 80s where like they haven't concluded the plot yet the the main villain has still like yet to fucking show up and there's 10 minutes left and there's 10 minutes left and then they'll just wrap it up and not then... a 40 minute cgi action scene with a million cameos and, and six endings afterwards yeah exactly like the like movies just fucking they kill the bad guy and then it's like cool and we are done yes, we don't have any movies better than long movies <laughs> The, but the thing is, all right, I've been watching the Bond movies recently, and those <laughs> movies are still like over two hours long. Yeah, they they're are. still pretty fucking long. But it is quite funny how like you get to the end of like you only live twice, and you're like, there's twenty minutes left, and Blofeld hasn't shown up yet. Like, yeah. and then the movie, then like every single Bond movie though in those first five at least ends with Bond in some kind of vehicle or some kind of like remote location with a, an attractive woman, and it's just like, and now we will like kiss. There's nothing to do but have sex. Um, it's, those movies are long because they are so committed to their like four to five big action scenes. You know, like yeah. these are hard to do. We're going to show you as much of them as we can. Fuck off. <laughs> but it really, really is this thing where like movies just kind of like we will we will fight the final bad guy and then we will end because we have either there is no personal story at stake for any of this like this movie doesn't need to wrap up any plot lines because none of the characters have any personal things at stake which is like why this movie is so weird is like again there's no themes there's no character arcs no one comes out of this movie a changed person like it's not like they go back to Walter Peck and Walter Peck's like I believe in ghosts now (laughs) like like they they reveal that Dana and and Lewis are still alive Mm. and then they're like cool we'll now have like Couple more moments of improv comedy, but Phil Murray the least slimed because he gets to kiss a lady in a minute. Yep. Um, the other's absolutely fucking caked. He just has a little bit on his hair. <laughs> I don't know if that's because he's like, you slimed me at the beginning of the movie. I'm not getting slimed twice. Yeah. But, yeah, but functionally, the movie is just kind of go, and we are done. Yep. Like, like nothing left to do. Like, this yeah. is a perfect one-off comedy movie, which there will never be any demand for any kind of play on this ever yeah. again. We'll just move on to our next movies. You know, yeah. maybe this is a hit for us, and we get bigger stuff and bigger paychecks next time. Oh no, wait, this is going to consume our lives for thirty years. Yeah, this is this is now the defining movie of like comedy movies in the 80s it is one of the tentpole movies in sony's like canon they have an entire fucking studio set up to develop ghostbusters sequels there's animated series there's comic books just it's it's never ever ending like and dan Aykroyd is just like this is it's kind of similar to the co-writer on back to the future where like zemeckis is kind of like pieced out of that franchise but uh you don't get it man yeah, but Bob Gale has like this is his career. Like, yeah. like he is he is the the steward for the Back to the Future franchise, yeah. and is like doing all of these deals to keep Back to the Future kind of in the in the zeitgeist. But obviously, yeah. like it won't result in a Back to the Future four. I don't think Zemeckis or anyone involved in that movie has got any interest. But it is funny that like there are multiple movies in the eighties which they are surprise franchise hits, and they're by sheer force of will of people born in this era, people born in this video store era, where they can like rewatch it obsessively, yeah. are able to make them into viable tentpole franchises in yeah. the year 2020. Yeah. Even though almost all of the franchises from the 80s are better served by just being one and done. It's like the only movie we've really discussed in this list, like Blade Runner, obviously kind of like shocked everyone by being an actual fucking good sequel. Like decades and decades. But that's later. the like hundreds of cuts thing. Oh, that keeps that alive. Yeah. Like, uh, and then, but then Raiders of the Lost Ark is the other one where it's like, but that's because you're riffing off of old, old timey serials, and it's just perfectly made to just do more of them. Yeah. The issue with that one is they just keep 
it just Harrison Ford is just like, I will never give this roll up. <laughs> I will come to your house and kill you, Chris Pratt. Um, but like, I look at the movies we've got left, and a lot of them have got sequels, and a lot of them yeah. have got things like sequels in the last few years, or are still like ongoing things like active things now yeah. like including next week's movies gremlins which mm. has like an animated hbo max series in the in the works does it but, really like, yes <laughs> okay <laughs> okay yeah all right but like you, you look at a lot of these movies and it's like none of them should have sequels and the ones that kind of had some of them are good like in fact, i think most of them are good it's just bizarre that as many of the movies we got left to cover on this miniseries did get sequels, even though they're kind of all like Ghostbusters in this like kind of perfectly crystallized of the era, lightning in a bottle. Why the fuck would you even think to replicate this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For as bad as everything that came after it is, I bet you they toy execs and whatever made millions and millions of dollars off of Ghostbusters. Like I genuinely considered buying a Carrie Coon pop vinyl for Ghostbusters there after you life. Go. To join my like leftovers ones, so I'm like, well, if you're not right. going to give me a fucking <laughs> Kerry Coon leftovers pop vinyl, so I will. Did the rest of the cast of the leftovers have pop vinyl? Justin Threw. There's just a sad Justin Threw pop. Justin Threw, Chris Atherton, and Ann Dowd have have pop vinyls. They <laughs> made like three for season one, but obviously Kerry Coon isn't like seen as a main character at that point. Yeah. So. Oh, that like... is very funny to me. They just made a depressed <laughs> guy pop vinyl. <laughs> He's in his police outfit, so it's right. not he's not yet at the suicide. I can at least get the guilty remnant all dressed in white. That's almost like a design, but like Kevin's just It was just, it was quite funny. Sad I Kevin. There's a little plastic guy for you. I have it on my desk at work and I work I work opposite a guy called Kevin and uh, like when I first got it they were like why did you get a pop vinyl like cuz he looks just like the guy I work with as well not well, that he looks like just pop vinyls room. unless you have a really wacky design if you're trying to just look like a human being they are not working with a great deal of fidelity so if you're just a white guy with dark hair and a beard hi here he is <laughs> like I probably look like that pop vinyl <laughs> Good but yeah, I, Gremlins genuinely, next week though. <laughs> Gremlins next week. I'm fucking amped for Gremlins. Gremlins is. I mean, I think is Trading Places like a Christmas movie for you? Yeah, it is. Like, you know, as in like one that you put on most Christmases, or has it been like oh, a long I mean, time? I, I, <laughs> as you gathered from when <laughs> I basically opened by being like, this probably shouldn't have been on the list, but let's talk about it. I had not seen Trading Places in a while, <laughs> but there aren't many Christmas movies I like put on habitually. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I know that kind of ruins them for me almost. But that thing is, like, obviously, I, I, I'm I'm going to spoil this now. We are covering Die Hard on this miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> Gremlins is my answer for like favorite Christmas movie. Like Gremlins is Gremlins is my one. Like yeah. this is this is my like this is my Bay pick of the miniseries where I'm like, I was, yeah, I said to you yesterday, we have a babe situation on our hands. <laughs> well, I'm just like this, this to me is like a five star fucking masterpiece. And I I'm think like, it's real good. We could talk about it, but five stars. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, again, haven't seen it in like, I don't know, five years, probably. I mean, I fully admit like it isn't like, it's not a masterpiece, but there's just so many moments of gremlins, like the, the, the fucking Looney Tunes stuff. Mm. I fucking it's love Hulk Hogan in the second one. Hulkos in the second one. Okay, oh, we we can have an entire tangent on Gremlins two and the Gremlins two Key and Peel sketch. Oh yeah, I was just going to play that in its totality. <laughs> to be honest, just put that in. I don't care about. Copyright. I'm going to go watch the Gremlins two sketch right now. Actually, <laughs> it's because... so fucking good. Yeah, next week Gremlins. This week Ghostbusters. Uh, I I'm I'm fucking amped. Like I, yeah. 
<laughs> my embarrassing confession is I didn't get in until one o'clock this morning. Mm-hmm. I put Ghostbusters on at like twenty past one this morning and didn't get to sleep until whatever time I got. Sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I did get a text in the early hours of the morning saying it's it's why it's weird that Ghostbusters works or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> I watch Ghostbusters. I, I'm so used to you watching them like three days early, and because I have like goldfish memory and need to watch them right before and write loads of stuff down. Um, no, this is because I've been doing my insane like Bond binge, where I've got like seven days now to watch two Bond movies, but I'm also busy. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Next week, Next Gremlins. Week, Gremlins. <laughs> I'm excited. You should be. It's going to be a time. It will be. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, and as always, I have to end this with a question, and that question is, Matthew, will there be movies? Ray, when someone asks you if there will be movies, you say yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. I did it for so long. Still, I didn't know. And I did it for so long. I got nothing to show. Only salaries. They don't make no sense. I can't measure my happiness in pounds or friends. With so much for your answer. What is only salary? Eleven and a half thousand dollars adjusted for inflation. Nineteen eighty-four inflation calculator, USD. Eleven and a half. You said. Uh, yeah, he says this isn't worth eleven, eleven five, or eleven and a half, or whatever. <laughs> I think that's what he says. At the end. Uh, that would be a pay rate of thirty-two thousand seven hundred ninety-two dollars, which in low. <laughs> in Great British pounds, because obviously the economy is in the toilet, and normally I would. Double that, or would I halve it? I can't remember which way I would go. Back in the day, you would. Pound. Yeah, it's 20, 27 now. Twenty seven thousand pounds now. Okay, so it's not minimum wage, but it's not great. In New in New York, you. Oh, you're dead. <laughs>